Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Remember the game Dot to Dot? You can't see the whole picture until you've connected the dots. Join us now while we connect the dots of David's life to see what picture we'll find as we continue our journey through the lineage of Jesus with Cheryl Broderson. Here's part one of Cheryl's message, David, Kept in the Promises. So today is a very um, important day to me because my uh, grandson, Ryder, ha- is turning eight today. And it's so funny how you can look back, and I can remember eight years ago, my daughter was sure he was going to be early, so she made me go up there on, um, dis- on October 30th, and we waited for two weeks for his arrival. And I remember I had never watched House Hunters before, but I think I saw every episode that there was of House Hunters plus Perry Mason. It was, uh, you know, what do you do when you're waiting? You know, you're just waiting for the arrival and you're just like, anything yet? Anything? So two weeks later he came, but um, I just adore this, this little guy this little guy who's getting big, he just uh, made a video writing his um, present that he got from Grandma and Grandpa B. That's our name, B for Broderson. But where Grandma and Grandpa B, and, um, he made me a, a video, his dad did, of, of Ryder riding the little bike that we gave him for his birthday. <laughs> it's so cute. He's like, his dad says, what do you want to say? And he says, thank you, Grandma, hashtag best grandma in the world. And you're like... I live for that moment. But I think that's so funny. Seven, hashtag, hashtag, because he got his present early. We had to have a face talk about that and all the reasons he needed his present early because he knew what it was and he wanted it early. But while he was living with us, he loved to play dot to dot. We like to do dot to dot books. And I would have the right side and he would have the left side. And we would open these books and we would look at the pictures. There were 50 dots. And we would guess what they were going to be. It might be a car, it might be a train, it might be a building, or it could be an animal, like a shark or a squirrel or a monkey. And I'd say, I think mine's going to be an elephant. And he'd say, you know, I think mine's going to be a man-eating shark. And then I'd have to wait and he'd say, ready, set. And he'd start putting his together. You know, and he'd get to like number 10, he goes, okay, go, Grandma. You know, like... And I always had to make sure he won the dot to dot. That's just part of being a good grandma. And we never knew what image for sure. In fact, a couple times I was really surprised by those dot to dot books. I was sure in my mind what it was going to be. And it turned out to be a camel and not an elephant, which was something else. But sometimes our life is like those, those pages of dot to dots. We have these marked moments in our lives. Times of deliverance or times of divine provision testimonies where you can look back and say, wow, God did this and God did this and God did 
this. And they're kind of spaced apart. Just like if you look at the children of Israel through the Exodus, it was kind of spaced apart, these miracles. And yet, as we begin to connect the dots in our own life of these times where, where we've really felt and known the presence of God, an image emerges. An image emerges of a faithful God, of God's hand with us and upon us, of a delivering God, of a sustaining God, of God who pours out his grace upon us, and of a very, very present God. I have a friend who just went to be with the Lord about six months ago. His name was Will Templeton. He was 95 years old. Just one of the most amazing men ever. And I knew that Will had accepted the Lord later in life. He had been in his late 40s when he gave his life to Jesus. So knowing that he was getting close to heaven's gates, because he told us he was, he even he and his wife um, came up to visit Brian to give us his funeral plans. So we would know exactly what hymns and what songs he wanted at his funeral. He was just this amazing Christian man that we absolutely adored. But I wanted to hear his testimony. And so I said to Will, so, Will, tell me, you accepted the Lord later in life. What finally did it for you? And he said he couldn't do it that way. Will was very strong. I can't do it that way. That's not the way to do it, Cheryl. I need to go back and I need to connect the dots for you. And I said, all right. So then he starts telling me, now, I was in California And my dad got a transfer to New York when I was 11 years old. And when I was back in Upper State, New York, my dad's boss's daughter came with her best friend to the door. And the boss's daughter's best friend was Connie, my wife. And that was a divine moment. And then he said, and he told me about other moments in his life that were nothing less than divine. And yet he hadn't received the Lord, but he knew there was something in that moment. He talked about being on the ship that the first ship into Tokyo Bay to receive the surrender of Japan during World War II. He told us of being in the South Pacific when waves over 50 feet tall were assaulting the aircraft carrier that he was on. And of God saving him again and again and again. And so he said, sometime around when he was 48, he just connected the dots in his life. And when he connected those dots, he saw the picture of a God that had been an active force in his life for a long time. The picture of a Savior loving him took shape. And he received Jesus as his Savior. The same could be said for David. David, called by different titles. I love how God always refers to David as my servant David. David saw himself as a shepherd or the sweet psalmist of Israel, anointed by God. And others saw David as hero and king. But David could look back over his life and he could connect the dots of God's faithfulness. In 2 Samuel 4, 9, David had just been given the throne of of Judah, and he was about to receive the throne of Israel. By this time, he had been in Hebron, reigning over Judah for seven years. And he he was about to be given the throne of all of Israel. All those promises that God gave him were about to come 
to fulfillment. And he says this in 2 Samuel 4.9, as the Lord lives who has redeemed my life from all adversity. David at this point could look back and connect all the dots in his life. And what emerged was a God who had redeemed him over and over again from all adversity. Now, this word redeemed is an interesting word. It doesn't mean spared. It doesn't mean kept him from. Rather, it means made it worthwhile. David could say the God who made every hard place in my life worthwhile. So David was actually saying all that I've been through, God made it count for something. He made it purposeful. He made it important. But it also implies more than just giving it worth. It also implies deliverance. The God who delivered me in all these different places and made it worthwhile. This is what the picture is that's emerging as David begins to connect the dots. He saw a picture of God as redeemer or restorer. He would write in Psalm 23:3, he restores my soul. He would write in Psalm 30:11 that God had turned his mourning into dancing. This is the same picture that we have in the minor prophet Joel 2:25, where Joel writes. Um, he writes this as he is taking notes on what God is saying to him. God says through the prophet Joel, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, my great army that I sent among you. God is a God that restores. He gives value to every adversity. He's the God who redeems, who saves us and gives value to all of our adversity. Paul would say this concerning God as our savior, 2 Corinthians 1, 9 through 10. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. God has delivered, is delivering, and will deliver. God is a deliverer. One of my favorite songs is the hymn, He is able to deliver us. He is able to deliver me. He is able to deliver me. You know that one, though by sin oppressed, go to him for rest. I'll never be a choir director. (laughs) I can see I'm not getting the choir to sing. The choir's just going... Okay, I don't think we know that one. It's a good one. Sometimes we fail to see God as a deliverer. And if we are failing to see God as a redeemer and a deliverer, it's because we are not connecting the dots. We're not looking back retrospectively and seeing how God has always been there. He has always been there. He has always been working. Maybe, maybe it's because we're saying, well, you know, I got myself out of that or I barely escaped that one. Maybe we are believing in fortuitous concurrences of nature. 
Maybe we are believing that time just made it heal. And we need our eyes opened that we might look back and see God actively working in our lives. At this point in David's life, he could connect the dots. He had been a shepherd in the fields of Bethlehem. That's not an easy position. Maybe you have this picture of David playing the harp in a bucolic field and the sheep are just going, yeah, man, dig it. It's so good. Love that harp. I'm not running away. I love the harp. I'm just going to stay right here next to my shepherd. But that's not true. That's not the right scene of what it was like to be in those Bethlehem fields. The reality is much more active, much more dangerous. In those days, there were no fences to keep the sheep from wandering, so they needed constant supervision. There were no borders to keep the sheep all together, so the shepherd had to be actively always bringing the sheep together. The shepherd had to watch in all directions for predators. The predators, not only ferocious and hungry bears, but lions and thieves and raiders. And not only that, but they were subject to the elements in the fields from rain and wind and heat and cold and even snow. David, in speaking to Saul, the King Saul, he said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. David had had encounters with bears and lions. He wasn't saying, oh, there was a possibility. He was saying, I have taken care of bears. In fact, he talked about grabbing the bear by the beard. I didn't know bears had beards because I've never been that close to a bear. I saw two cute ones at a zoo one time through plexiglass, and that was just about as close as I ever wanted to be to a bear. My dad told the story of being in Yosemite. His parents used to go camping every year. And hearing this lady just screaming, these death-curdling screams. So he grabbed um, whatever was near him, some kind of stick. And he went charging into the tent next door. And he said, there's this big old brown bear licking the cold cream, the strawberry cold cream off of this lady's face. And she's just like, And uh, my dad, he said he doesn't know what happened. It just had to be the Lord because he was a teenager. He took his stick and he just chased that bear right out of the tent. And the bear ran away from him. But David talked about grabbing the bear by the beard. And then he talked about taking the lion and taking the lamb right out of the lion's mouth. I mean, that's amazing. And he's a kid. He's just a kid when he has these experiences in the field. Not only that, but there would have been snakes in that field. I mean, he's like, oh yeah, snakes, that's nothing. I can't believe that's nothing. Did I tell you about the lady in Tallahassee? The sweet lady, Catherine, with the flip-flops on that were kind of worn through. And we're walking up to the cottage where we're staying. And this red snake comes out and starts going towards her, her foot. And I'm like, snake, snake, because I hate snakes. And if there weren't four women, I would have run away, but they were there and they said it was scarier out there because there were alligators. So I'm right near, I'm staying on the threshold, you know, just watching this red snake going after her foot in this flip flop. And she goes, oh, that's just a worm. And she kicks it away with her flip flop. (laughs) And then it goes under the threshold. And I'm like, I have to step over that threshold. And I'm trying to be brave because I'm their speaker. And I need to look like I'm a woman of faith. 
Yeah, snakes. Yeah, nothing. But David in these fields, you know, he didn't even mention the snakes because they were that little worm. They were nothing. He was dealing with bears and lions and raiders, people that wanted to steal that sheep. Those sheep, not just that one, but the others also. But David could connect the dots. He could say, God delivered me from a bear. He delivered me from the lions. He delivered me in the field. And he is able to deliver me. Next, we see that God delivered David from the Philistine giant. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, Goliath was over nine and a half feet tall. The tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds. He was covered in bronze armor. He even had a helmet of bronze. And he had been a warrior since his youth. He comes out against David with a sword, a spear, a javelin, and an armor bearer. And there's David, no armor on, just his everyday clothes as a shepherd in Israel. And his only weapon is a sling with five smooth stones. But David was absolutely confident in the Lord's deliverance. He said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. I mean, David's like, hey, you're just small potatoes. Wait till you see what I do to your friends. The carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword, spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. We're told then that Goliath arose and drew near to David and David actually ran at the giant like, let's get this going. And he takes a stone, he puts it in the sling. He starts it going round and round. And that stone hit the only place that was vulnerable on Goliath, right straight into the forehead. And the giant went down. Now, when I was growing up in Sunday school, we used to sing a song, only a boy named David. This is my singing day. Only a little sling, only a boy named David, but he could pray and sing. So that was one of the songs, and it you know, talks about this sling, and the sling went round and round and round, and one little prayer went up to God, and the giant came tumbling down. Well, Ryder, um, the eight-year-old today, when he was a little boy, he, well, he actually has a thing called apraxia, which is a disconnect from his um, brain to his mouth. He's brilliant. He's very, very smart. In fact, when he tested, he tested very brilliant and very manipulative, which I already knew. But He had to have special lessons to learn how to talk. And though he couldn't talk, he could sing that song. In fact, we got him to be at three. We got him to be in our Christmas play that we did because he didn't want to put on the costume. But we told him, okay, it was a lie. I'm sorry, it was his mother, not me. I just went along with it. But she told him it was David's costume. And he's like, only a boy named David? Yes, only a boy named David. All right, I want to wear it. So he came down the aisle at three years old in only a boy named David's costume with his tongue out. You didn't see it, but his, he was sticking his tongue out at everybody. He was like, oh, how cute. He's like, I told you, highly manipulative. He's, he's one of those kids that only a grandma can love. 
adore. But he was so taken with it. So he, when he was tested for his apraxia, they're asking him, do you know row, row, row your boat? And he starts going, and round and round and round and round and round and round and round. And one low prayer went up to God and the giant came tumbling down. And then he cut off his head. And Kristen's like, oh God, don't let these people who are testing him know what he's singing. She's like, she was afraid that they were going to, Michael and she were going to get in trouble for, you know, what kind of violent stories are you telling this child and teaching him songs? So they're praying that they don't understand and they don't understand. So the tests come back. And again, he's highly intelligent. He's got apraxia. And the girl looks at her and says, and we're both Christians and know the story of David. And winks. God delivered David from the bear, the lion, the predators. God delivered David from the giant. But God also delivered David from Saul's jealousy, which turned into a murderous vendetta, as jealousy often does. We're told in 1 Samuel 18, verse 11, that Saul sought to spear David twice. He tried to entrap him at a dinner in which he had ordered his servants to kill David in 1 Samuel 20. But David was divinely warned. He tried to take David from his house and kill him. But David escaped through the window in 1 Samuel 19. Saul then went to Ramah because he heard that David was with Samuel. And Saul sent three different armies down to capture David. And I love what happened with every army. Every army was filled with the Holy Spirit and the men began to prophesy. So Saul, after the third army is down in Ramah prophesying with Samuel, decides to go down himself. He's going to take care of David himself. And what happens when he gets down to Ramah? We're told that he's overcome by the Holy Spirit. He strips down bare and he's writhing on the ground prophesying. God knew how to take care of David. At another time, when David was in the wilderness of Maon, Saul was almost on David. David was moments away from being captured when Saul received news that the Philistines had invaded Israel and Saul was called away. Another time when David was in the wilderness of Engedi, Saul went into the very cave that David was hiding in, but God again delivered David. Another time in the wilderness of Zith, Saul came with 3,000 chosen men But a great sleep fell on Saul. And then we're told in 1 Samuel 23 verse 14 that Saul sought David every day, but God did not deliver David into his hand. We also see that God delivered David from the Philistines. Saul thought that he could have David killed by the Philistines if he just required a dowry from David that would require him going among the Philistines. But David completed this dowry and was not slain by the Philistines. We read in chapter 21 of 1 Samuel that David was actually captured by the Philistines in Gath. And the Philistine leaders were saying, wait, 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 this is the one that they sing about in Israel. He's a hero in Israel. We've got to do something about him. But in the court of Achish, David feigned madness. And Achish was like, get this madman out of my court. I can find a Philistine madman. I don't need an Israelite one too. 
and David was spared. In chapter 27 of 1 Samuel, David was ready to go with the Philistines into battle. No doubt he had plans to, to turn and to fight for Israel. Nevertheless, God spared David again from fighting alongside the Philistines or losing his life in the very battle in which Saul and Jonathan died. If you've ever played dot to dot, then you know that you can't see the whole picture until you've connected the dots. My friend, God is actively working in your life just as he did in David's. Take a moment to reflect on these divine moments in your past and connect the dots. There you will find a picture of God, your Redeemer, your Restorer, and your Deliverer. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study with Cheryl Broderson. If you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply visit our website at graciouswords.com or call 1-800-733-6443 and refer to it by name, which is David, Kept in the Promises. Once again, our website is graciouswords.com and our toll-free number is 1-800-733-6443. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll forge on with our study on the life of David as we continue our series with Cheryl Broderson through the lineage of the King. We do hope you make plans to join us. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.